Gucci. Cheesecake and coffee. <laughs> that you were going to say G-Unit. <laughs> Remember G-Unit from back in the day? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I yeah. do. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> uh, okay, are we set? How are you, man? How are you feeling? How are you feeling? What's up? How am I feeling? Mm-hmm. All right, let me... That was an awfully short breath for a deep breath. <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm actually excited about my trip coming up. Good. Where are you going? Yeah, Paris. Oh, it's going down. I see. You're not... Yeah. Uh, how's your day going? It's good, man. I'm way happier than you are. You're in, like, you're I'm just... I'm super happy. You're Michael. I'm always, I'm always Michael happy. hates the rain, and it's raining in San Diego. He moved to San Diego, so he never had to deal with water. And now the water's here, and he's just upside down. You know, I'm halfway there. I always tell people, um, once you hit the 10-year mark, then you can say you're officially from California. So I'm yeah. five years in. Yeah, and you can't bitch until you hit the 10-year mark, man. Yeah. So you're from fucking D.C. I know. You know, it's actually snowing out there right now, I heard. God. Yeah, they've had like a crazy snowstorm. Yeah, bring it on. But yeah, how you doing? Good, man. Good. Had a family in town, right? Yeah, we had a ton of family in town. That's why I was gone for so long, and you guys had to carry all the weight, which, fortunately, it's only like 150 pounds, but... Yeah. uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm feeling good. Charged, like I told you, like, we sat and did our deep talks. We went and got fucked up a little bit and did the bar thing and just kind of reconnected. Yeah. So it was good. It was fun. Yeah. It encompassed everything. What does your brother live again? He lives up in Humboldt right now. Humboldt? Yeah, Humboldt. Uh, kind of the weed capital of the universe. Um, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, is that in California? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's up, in, up by like Mendocino and San Jose and that whole area up there. Oh, okay. San Francisco area. Nice. I don't know. I might have just mixed up three different sections of California, <laughs> but whatever. It, anything north of uh, Carlsbad, I consider to be fucking L.A. Yeah. And anything east of La Mesa, Arizona. Yeah. Do you ever go out there to Humboldt? Uh, I went up there a few years back to visit a buddy. I had friends that uh, were trimming and all that um, back before it was cool. And, you know, just went and visited some family friends and whatnot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice, it's pretty, nice, man. Nice. It's really, really pretty up there. It's really pretty, but it's like your whole life is weed. I mean, at least right. it was. It was just like everybody talked about weed and everybody gets really drunk. Right, right. <laughs> you know, speaking of weed, let's get into CBD a little bit because okay. I know... I've been trying to learn more about it. So can you kind of talk about that and like what it is? And I was doing some research. Yeah. And um, it's from what I know so far, it's it's an ingredient um, that's usually found in cannabis, with the cannabis plants. That's an interesting word for it. Yeah. Ingredient. Yeah. Well, yeah. What, what word do you use? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's an ingredient. Yeah. That it's <laughs> it's important. It's an important piece of the recipe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's found in the cannabis plants, but uh, it doesn't get you high. Yeah, and it has a lot of healing qualities, and um, and a lot of places actually used to or used for medical reasons. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's kind of a rough definition of it. I'd probably say compound. Yes, uh, compound. Because it's yeah, it's like a, a complex chain uh, that. You know, what I've found really interesting about, like, weed... And, and we're talking about CBD. CBD. CBD oil, right? C- well, I mean, CBD, the compound. General, okay. You know? So, like, the it, you can have isolate, you can have full spectrum. There's different ways of um, acquiring it. And there are, you know, the full spectrum, they say it does uh, affect you psychoactively a bit. But I think one of the most important aspects of this is something, uh, something that a lot of people don't pay much attention to, which is your body, for you to have any effect, 
like have any effect from taking one of these things or anything really. You have to have a, a receptor site in your body. We legitimately have receptor sites for CBD. It's called our endocannabinol system or endocannabinoid system in the human body. So you have this encoded within your system, the ability to uptake these compounds and they affect your body in different ways. You know, So you end up with THC, which would be you end up with the uh, psychoactive experience from smoking weed or vape pens or edibles or whatever. <clears throat> Actually, edibles and smoking affect you differently because of the compound, but uh, you, you still end up uptaking these, com these chemicals and your body has receptor sites. CBD is very, very similar. You know, it has, it's part of that same uh, uh, endocannabinoid system, but uh, when taking it, they've seen a lot more um, medical things, as, or uh, not medical, excuse me, a lot more um, uh, um, b benefits right. that come out of, you know, medical benefits that come out of it rather than just a psychoactive experience. So some of the most popular things are when kids have seizures or whatever. There's people who are having seizures, and it helps reduce a lot of the seizures. It helps people with a lot of inflammation with so, so the oil is in, ingested or cbd itself it's in, ingested yeah i mean you can ingest it just like you can uh cannabis you know or or a lot of other well ways. it can be smoked yeah it's an oil yeah yeah it can or cannot it can yeah. oh i didn't know that no there's uh cbd vape pens uh, oh i didn't know that i thought yeah. it was just oil no they have oil they have uh i mean gummies they have powder they have Right. I creams. guess the only difference is there's no reaction. It doesn't get you high. Yeah. Yeah. So you can, they even have topicals, you know, you can have for like inflamed areas of your body, you can put it on topically. Nice. Nice. Which I haven't responded too well to, but uh, I know other people do. Right. Right. So, yeah. It's really, it's interesting, man. Like I love, uh, I, I love the, the legislative side of all this. Like, it's really funny. We needed CBD to kind of come out right now to help push the marijuana thing through, I think a little bit more. Because it's, you know, you, you find a little crack in the dam and then you stick something in it and just force it open. Right. <laughs> I think it, it's kind of silly that we can illegalize something that the body already has uh, receptor sites to picking up. I guess that being said, we also have receptor sites to opioids and all these things that people get addicted to. Um, but, you know, I, I think uh, it's just a really interesting time right now for this compound. You know, the, it's been used for a long, 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 long time in the human history for different reasons and whatever, whether you want that to be appropriate and say something like CBD, like it only helped with inflammation, or you can be somebody who's a bit more pragmatic and say people use it for a conscious shift sometimes, you know, people right. smoke marijuana to, you know, feel different, analyze their life differently. Right, right. Um, whatever the argument you need to identify with is fine, but I think we're looking at reform. You know, I, I think Joe Rogan and a lot of people who really, uh, uh, tackle these sorts of concepts they talk about how prohibition never helps you know you end up with people like the kennedys who <laughs> smuggle mm. booze and then become president which obviously that more of a joke than anything right. but, <laughs> but uh you know you end up prohibition ends up creating these weird um, black markets and i think it creates a lot of the, the problem of uh untraceable crime you know so i think we're moving in the right direction we're getting rid of the untraceable crime and we're putting things into the open and creating appropriate commerce around a compound that our body already has a setup to enjoy and experience right, and use. Right. And it kind of gets me thinking about what the future of, I guess for lack of a better term, drugs is mm -hmm. going to be. And now I don't mean drugs in the illegal sense of drugs, but, you know. Just compounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it really gets me thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean. And how I, the medical I, world is going to be a lot different, you know, 
15, yeah. 20 years from now. My God, yeah. Well, I just even think about the generational shift that's taking place. Like from, think about your grandparents, think about my grandparents, think about us. Like there has been just such a shift in the way things are experienced and the understanding of what people think about drugs and culture and perspective and perception and reality and awareness and all that stuff. So I think we're in a weird place where the two systems are overlapping, but I really do think that when the last of the baby boomers die out, um, and maybe a little bit after, but you know, when, when they go, I think there's really going to be a huge shift in, uh, the way we identify with, uh, awareness and consciousness. We, We, we allow um, substances to have a gradient experience scale. You know, like broccoli maybe doesn't make you feel high, but it alters your you, your mind. It feeds right. you and gives you energy. It, it makes you more awake than if you didn't eat or if you ate something like sugar. You know, so like we just don't, we identify certain things as too potent for the human to be able to handle as an experience that shifts the, the way that they think. And then we have all these things that are down low at the bottom and they're like, well, they sustain your body and they don't, that doesn't really count as changing your perspective. Well, it does. If you eat a salad before you go to a meeting versus you eat a huge hunk of raw meat, like there's just a difference in right, right. Your, your cognition, you know? So I think we're looking at a big shift, but all big shifts have to happen slowly or else everything falls apart right 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 but i i think you're right man that's a really interesting point like i think chemicals are shifting i think our our relationship to chemicals are shifting yeah i was uh (laughs) i was looking into uh ayahuasca Mm -hmm. i was just doing some research research on it yeah and apparently it's like a big thing in peru actually huge like where people go and they just you know go for a weekend and yeah um but also, there's a lot of bad experiences because they have all these pop-up shops in Peru promising, you know, get the uh, ayahuasca experience, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> people like people are like ODing, and you know. So I think it's something that you definitely have to be careful about. If well, what drew you to that? Why did you start doing research on that? I've always liked the idea. The first time I was introduced to it was uh, on a Joe Rogan podcast a few mm-hmm. years ago. And I think it was either him or somebody else talking about their experience. And it just blew my mind. Right. You know, it just blew my mind. Yeah. And since then, every single person I've heard talk about it and their experience, it's all, they've all said it's been a life-changing experience. Yeah, yeah. Aubrey Marcus. Have you listened to Aubrey Marcus at all? I've listened to him. Are you, are you asking me if I've heard his experience with it? Yeah, he talked. he's done it a ton of times since he was like 18 till now. He's mm. gone down like tons of times dozens i want to say um but he's like he's right up your alley man he's like super about i mean joe rogan is as well but like aubrey marcus is more so like a lot of physical fitness and peak fitness sort of stuff and also the exploration of consciousness and that uh integration between the two right uh so i suggest like give him a listen he's awesome uh but he he's had just intense intense stuff and you know What I what I've come to find I haven't done it but I have friends who have and I've listened I've done my research and everything like it's not supposed to necessarily be fun you know it's mm. like a really gnarly confusing sometimes really intense potent whatever experience and there are moments of beauty in a lot of them but a lot of the time it's it's 
these things are a lot more used for like a, a, a psychological breaking mechanism, right? You know, than they are like a recreational thing. You know, like right, there's a lot right, of these right. weird recreational drugs that people do, and it's like they usually last about two hours. Uh, it's a really intense come up, really intense right. come down. You end up dancing, and you at the end of the night, you're like, I didn't drink enough water. I couldn't right, right. work the next day. <laughs> All this weird stuff. These are like you need to take a couple days to like analyze what happened to you after this break. You know, this psychological break thing happens. And by break, I don't mean like mental break, like you go crazy, but you step outside of your normal process. You know, um, so you know, and obviously, again, I haven't done it, but uh, I've flirted with all these other things and I, I understand the mechanisms at work but apparently ayahuasca is like pretty pretty huge. intense yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. just interested you haven't really done anything that no. I, I mean that we've I've drank water about. yeah <laughs> you've, you've got water <laughs> dialed um, but I got water down man you went to like the the mama of yeah. all of it yeah it's just funny yeah um and even the other ones too I think I've always liked the idea and I think we're gonna uh, come into the space eventually where um, drugs or psychedelics are going to be, and I think we've talked about this in the past, are going to be administered in control, controlled environments. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to get to that point. Like lab experiments. Uh, you can make the case, or like you can go to like a clinic, or even something similar to Peru, yeah. which we don't have here, where you can just go for a retreat, right? Mm -hmm. And you know they promise like the experience. Yeah. You know, the shroom experience or yeah. the whatever experience, the DMT experience. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, and you know, it's funny, it already happens. People already do this. Right. You know, I, I think the only difference is that society will look at it a bit differently when uh, critical mass is reached. And, and that's what I mean. So obviously people are already doing it now. Yeah. But it's, I feel like it's going to get to the point where it's like streamlined. Yeah. You know, where it's like anybody can do it. Because now you don't just... What are the odds of you walking down the street and, you know, meeting someone that's done DMT or ayahuasca or whatever, you know? I think, obviously, it's it's possible, <laughs> yeah. but you know what I mean. I think it's uh, going to be, you know. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, well, I'm interested in this whole thing. Like, the way I view it, and this is just my perspective, but, <clears throat> you know, I believe, as we've said before, there's some intelligent structure behind, you know, this deeply scientific-based experience here you know i think that there is a, a i think that intelligence is potentially just latent in the in the universe it's the fabric of uh how everything is experienced and expressed and it uses matter to um interact with itself to enlighten itself into new um, understanding now that being said uh i think it is always calling each person and saying hey come a little closer to the truth here come a little closer to you come a little closer to me the it and i think the reason drugs work so well to kind of give people either these hugely potent bad experiences or hugely potent good experiences is because of that weird relationship between acceptable and not acceptable uh i what i found is people who deeply have disturbing and scary experiences on drugs are people who are not yet ready to call themselves comfortable in a social setting. You know, they're people who, um, l l like, their, their awareness, you just, when you have conversations with them, they're very quick to crack jokes, very animated. You know, you don't find a deep comfort just latent within their expression, you know? And I think drugs are the calling card for you to kind of chip away at that 
just being this socially acceptable flower versus um, finding out in a deep focus who you actually are, you know, and then not having to be anybody around different ecosystems, being you authentically, no matter where you are. I think it's a tool, and I don't, th- I don't think it's a tool for everybody at all. You know, we're fucking talking about drugs again on the podcast. <laughs> I, I don't think it's a mechanism for for everybody, but I, right. I think it is a. Um, there are people who are called down those paths to enlighten themselves, to to figure themselves out and authenticate themselves through those mechanisms. Circling back to what you had mentioned, if it became a socially acceptable thing and the taboo goes away, I think it turns into like beer where you use it to lower your frequency. Like people just use it to get high again because they have a stressful week, I'm gonna go do ayahuasca. And we'll get so acclimated to the high of these things that are so taboo that only the daring and the ones who are called are willing to go down. Right. It'll become this acceptable thing and then people will misuse it and then the energy associated with it is going to change, you know? Just I think like with beer, potentially beer and spirits and whatnot might have been a different experience for people before it became this global understanding of a way to just suppress who you are. Right, right. You know, I've had some very enlightening experiences with drinking a couple beers or having a shot or like sipping on something like a scotch or something. But I've noticed that like you get to a point where it just grabs you, or me anyways, it grabs me and just takes me into this weird dark place. Mm. And I think that that potentially could be energetic, um, kinetic energy associated with just people's expectations of it now and like how it's been mistreated as, as an in- an entity, an intelligence, a, a way to shift your brain into a specific plane. Right, right. You know, and if it's been mistreated, it's going to have a recoil on the way people experience it, you know? Does that make sense? No, that, that makes sense. That weird. makes sense. But um, I think that if we if we normalize these drugs, they will become pointless. It's, it's like they will all neutralize into something almost just like aspirin or ibuprofen and whatever. They become just a nothing. And then we're always going to be searching for the next gnarly thing because it's the taboo aspect to these chemicals that keeps it um, a thing that makes you go past your comfort zone to realize yourself in a deeper way. Mm. Okay, that I feel like that's okay. No, I know. That was really good. It's funny because I've been watching uh, Narcos lately mm-hmm. on Netflix, so this is like the perfect topic to talk yeah. about. Well, yeah, well, shit, those are talking about all those drugs yeah. that we were referring to in the beginning, like, yeah. you know, cocaine and all that stuff where you're well, just the, like... The thing is, do you... Okay, so why are drugs legal? So why is cocaine legal but smoking cigarettes is not? Well, uh, cocaine's illegal what? and cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Why is, why is, why is alcohol legal to be honest and cocaine is not I, do, I don't i don't understand that i think there's a lot of different uh variation or there's a lot of variance uh, associated with this like i mean because no, think about it you can literally if you if you did too much coke right now you could die right yeah i'm sure if you sat here and drank too much alcohol you could die of yeah. alcohol poisoning yeah. right if you sat here, drank too much alcohol, got in your car and tried to drive, you could die and kill somebody else. Yeah. I don't understand why cocaine and other, you know, drugs are illegal, but things like alcohol and cigarettes and, you know, the whole nine are legal, you know, because it just doesn't make any sense to me. I think we've, 
gotten scared of things that shift your brain a bit too much. You is know, it really that simple, though, or is I there think, more to it? I think uh, as a base foundation for the conversation, yeah, because, no, you're right, because alcohol can fuck you up. Even a lot of the over-the-counter medications <laughs> yeah. that yeah. we all have access to yeah. are either just as bad or in large doses worse than a lot of the banned substances out there. I mean, you can even just use weed for it for, as an example. Nobody's ever smoked a bunch of weed and then just went on like in a murderous rage, you know, yeah. or smoked a bunch of weed and then beat their husband or hit their husband or hit their wife because of it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I think, you know, to not get, not, not getting conspiratorial, but I, I think there's more money to be made in uh, prohibition for large entities, you know, like cartels thrive on illegality um the cia has been in trouble for selling cocaine well that's the thing though cartels if you're saying cartels thrive on that then what happens if you take away the illegality you know right less money aspect well okay look at it this way there's tons of um like huge drug busts um in the united states you know let's say 500 kilos of marijuana get busted well we don't keep track of all that you know there's there's governmental entities that take care of that and uh, we all know that there's this never-ending budget that's constantly growing and i i wouldn't be the least bit surprised i'm not making any conspiratorial comment at this point i'm just saying like to me uh it would make sense that at some point there's too much money to be made for it to be completely uncorruptible in any large system. The CIA, the FBI, whoever, the DEA, whoever's pulling in all these huge amounts of drugs, uh, not, it doesn't seem possible to me that everywhere along the chain of command, everybody's batting a thousand. You know, everybody's doing the perfect by-the-book procedure because there's access to hundreds of thousands of pounds and tons of all these drugs mm. and it's different people who are in charge of it the whole way and like we've seen with all these documentaries and with people who come out like just even the basic run-of-the-mill cops you know they get involved with it at some point and so you can't assume that the higher up you go the less sophisticated they are in their ability to be able to hide things like that it's a highly intelligent people who understand the mechanisms of all these drug outlets and they, under they, they understand all the key people, they know how to not get caught on a basic level. Like, they're very sophisticated people. I know we've touched on this in the past, but that was before we were mainstream. Yeah, now we're so mainstream. Yeah. And Find us on iTunes if you're not listening already. <laughs> iTunes and Spotify. Nice. Um, I was going to ask you, let's re retouch on this, your opinion on... Um, The idea that we live in the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> Not touching that. <laughs> um, I don't want us to go as deep as we went into last time, but just like you know, three minutes or so. Um, it's something I've been. It's it's an interesting thing to think about because at least for me, I can't speak for everybody else. No matter no matter what plans I make. 
um, something always happens. And when I say something happens, it's not about the plans don't come into fruition, mm-hmm. but it's almost like, for, I'll give you an example. Yeah. When I was younger, I was so sure I wanted to make video games for a living and, you know, um, and be in the video game industry. And I, I knew what type of life I wanted. You know, I wanted to live a life where money was not an issue and I can help others and do a whole bunch of other stuff and travel. But I realized that well, working in the gaming industry is not going to get me there. Those two are completely separate. And then when I got out of college, I just happened to, you know, get into a different career path. Mm-hmm. And that career path put me on a trajectory to where I'm at now. Yeah. And that same example can be used time and time again for different situations for other people it's like you know we make plans and then something else happens right um if in a way it almost seems like a i mean some people might disagree with this but it almost seems like a predestined or guided compass mm-hmm. for lack of a better term yeah so what's your what are your thoughts on that so you're asking uh the difference between fate and free will yeah oh i'm like a i have like a master's on this so. <laughs> Yeah, take a deep breath. You know, I had a really good conversation with one of my best friends about this. Okay. I think that there is a... There is no distinction between fate and free will. There is no distinction, in your opinion. I think the distinction comes from the individual's perspective. Uh... And this is this is a con- this isn't like my concept. Alan Watts talks about this. Uh, maybe McKenna does as well. Like a few people have dissected this idea, but okay, the idea that from one perspective you are experiencing something in a uh, in a way that makes you feel like you have control. Okay, you. Uh, punch somebody in the face because you decided you wanted to punch somebody in the face. And then you have moments where uh, the consequences of that act on you and that feels like a fate interaction because you didn't have control over going to jail. That's not the decision you wanted, but your decision was to punch somebody in the face, which can lead to jail. So each, you know, this is kind of the, the... um, conservation of energy uh, in physics, you know, like there's an opposite and equal reaction to every action. But there's this weird dichotomy, not dichotomy, but there's this weird missing initial spark, you know, like how can you state that a decision you've made is not the consequence of a prior decision that you were that was made by you or that you had acted on you, like a force that was acted on you. You eating broccoli versus sugar changes the direction of Mm. your day based on x and y well did you make the decision to eat broccoli versus sugar or when you woke up this morning did you have a dream you don't remember that made you think more on the broccoli side and what made that dream happen there's an infinite regression that happens from this decision making point problem so with with all that i i feel like fate and free will are actually the same force almost like gravity or um I don't know, some other fucking force. And and we measure it with a thermometer similar to temperature. Temperature is a good one. 
you don't, there's no such thing as hot. There's no such thing as cold. Those are constructs of our temperature scale based on a thermometer. So right, right. we're measuring temperature. It's a single thing that changes. It's a fluctuating force that we say within this range is hot or cold. And so I think fate and free will acts the same way. It's more so uh, you, when you come off of a good interaction, you go like, fuck yeah, I did it. You saw all the work I put in on that, like I crushed it. And then it's also like, yeah, but all the things that got you to that phone call that maybe made you a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars or whatever it is, you can't, you did not plan out every step to have accidentally met the person that introduced you to the person that made, you made the phone call to. Yeah, you gathered up the the courage to make a phone call, but all you really did was push buttons after you'd been introduced to the idea of doing it to call this mm. person, you know? So like, I think it's too large of a concept for an individual to fully wrap their head around. And so that's why I think it's just a bigger force that um, allows for us to play games with which one we decide on it looking like. You know what I mean? Mm. That makes sense? It was pretty heavy. No, it does, it does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. So, so, but do you, which side? <laughs> uh, no, it's both. Are you on? There, there's no such thing for me. Like, it, there is a, an integration of both. You are fading your way into making free-willed decisions. Hmm. Or you're free-willing your way into the destiny that you already have uh, designed for you. You know, like, there's no, you can make these decisions and feel like they're your decision, but they're also already predetermined but it's also the predetermined path potentially has an infinite of end games that allows for your free will to manipulate where the end goes but it's always a perfectly designed path right so in your opinion is this predetermined by what is it what is the path predetermined you're asking by? is there a god and that's no I, I didn't say <laughs> that scary question <laughs> i didn't yeah. say that uh, yeah I mean, have you seen a uh, prometheus yeah the movie yeah i liked remember? that movie yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really like that movie. I think that that probably it's a good, you know. I think I, I, it's a good, it's a good fucking theory. You know, shit. We could be. That was just something that came to mind. I'm not saying. Yeah, no, I think it's a good theory, believe, man. But... Like, I think, uh, I think what it relates to with your prior question about does a god exist is uh, what it, what the fuck would a god look like if we were to even try and start defining it? Like, it would probably have very human style characteristics since it's the way we believe behavior behaves. So we would see something that performs magic based on highly advanced technology that it has that we don't understand and we would call that a god. And then as soon as we find out that it can, you know, get a bloody lip or it can cut its finger on whatever version of paper it has when it's reading a book, we'll realize it's mortal or it has some finitude to it because it has a definition. And so there's a god above that or an entity that's above that that it considers a god that we would consider unfathomable. So I think there's this weird, I think the infinity of just raw experience and experienceability is God itself, you know, like the ability to think and experience things through sensory apparatuses mm. is uh, the constructed uh, behavior that God has allowed, but in an infinite direction. And I just, I, the word God is so, uh, so gross to me. Why? It's just been so tainted. Mm. you know like what was your experience growing up as a i went kid? to christian school yeah <laughs> how was that like <laughs> it was interesting like i loved it it was cool i opted to go there um 
but you know you realize pretty quickly that Christianity is not not nailing it at least from my perspective it doesn't do it what what does do it for you uh, actually before I ask that from your experiences and what you've learned as a human being what makes it tainted because I know you, you said that earlier that's Christianity or what God make, the yeah word what God. makes that word tainted for you well uh, I mean, it's. I think it's just an antiquated term, and I think you know we don't. Definitely, words over time, just like we were talking about with the chemicals, like over time they lose their potency. You know, like they lose their uh, their meaning. You know, language is evolving, and I think the word "God" meant uh, the int- whatever we're trying to describe up there or down here or within or where without or whatever. Uh, it was the word God encapsulated a specific visual of that understanding of uh, the intelligence around us or the, mm-hmm. the makeup of the universe and beyond. And I think that because we have transcended, or at least you know the people in which I come in contact with, have kind of moved past the idea of like this old Judeo-Christian styling or anything from that sort of era. Um, have moved past the idea that like it, it's a person or or something that is even definable in a person's context that has deep um, interaction with you on a day to day like it, God but it even sounds corny because it does all those things but it doesn't you know mm. I think God is just too personifying for me like it, it, it for me it makes me feel like Christian. And, Christi- <laughs> and Christianity, like how many fucking paintings of a god in the clouds pointing down at people or throwing lightning bolts or doing whatever the fuck. Like it's just God means person to me and God is not a person, you so, know? And so like, the word God makes you feel Christian. That's really interesting. Yeah. It reminds you of like growing up as a like, Christian no, or? I think it, it reminds me of like Christianity, Catholicism, like uh, Islam. It reminds me of these religions that have placed like like personedom on top of this thing that is like more so like I I, I like the Tao you know Taoism uh, is like dude as soon as you think you have any definition or taxonomy for this thing it's you you're outside of the realm of what it actually is because it is everything for you to understand any bit of the totality of what this God thing is you have to know every bit of information that is possible to know. Right. And the problem is if you know every bit of information that there is to know, then you have the perspective of God, and it means you've re-realized that you already are it. Mm. You know? You have to be, you have to have the God perspective to realize the totality of what this God thing is, and you probably realize that it has just made everything out of itself. You know? Right, right. So I think I'm... And maybe this is just like a corny evolutionary spiritual thing that happens to people who are coming out of a Christian blah. They say, hmm. oh, uh, well, Christianity, and then you go right into atheism, and then you right. go into you know all the Eastern philosophies, and you New Age your <laughs> shit for a while. And maybe that's what I'm going through. But at the same time, like I think that is the evolution of the language for myself. You know, like God doesn't work for me anymore. Um, and I like when I hear people talk about God, I'm like, cool, like that's fine. At least you're into this idea of something outside of yourself, you know, like a, like a surrender. Right. But I think the way that you're defining it to yourself is even restraining because you're going based on a modality that has been 
put into a box over thousands of years. You know? Right, right. You know? So what are your, so how do you plan on raising your kids then? I know. Christian. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like uh, they raise themselves. Mm. I feel like um, I ask questions. Don't you think there's a type of danger to that? Especially being um, the father figure and knowing having decades of life, ex- life experiences over them and still yet choosing to exclude yourself from that role of, look, this is how I was raised. This is, mm. Even if you don't raise them in, in a sense where um, you're helping them, quote unquote, choose a religious path, at least just giving them the options, don't you think you owe them that? Oh, well, I think that, the, well, that's that's the difference. I like that question better than the first one. Like, I'm not going to have them be, I'm not going to raise them a certain way. I'm going to be me, and they can make their extrapolations from that, and they can build upon, because, dude, I don't, I don't nail it. All I have is my perspective's definition of what I think is out there. It's not right. It's just my sliver of what I think is right. And so to me, a lot of tension came from trying to go through this Christian experience because my parents said there was a God, but their practice was all off and they didn't, like, they didn't, I just didn't believe them. Right. You know, and so that's why I wanted to go to a Christian school. I was like, I want to see if there is a God, you know. And then by going through that, I found out, oh, they were, they, they just, regurgitating the shit that their parents were saying maybe their parents believed in a god but my parents didn't like they talk about it but they didn't expose anything to me so i found that for me it was on my shoulders to really define this thing and so that's what i expect out of my child is i'm not going to tell you what's right i'm going to tell you what i think is out there and i'm subject to upheaval at any moment in time if you bring good evidence but here's what i've seen and you need to make your own decision whether it makes sense to you. You need to, in no way, shape, or form, are you grown up Christian because I fucking said so. Like, that's yeah. just not my thing. <laughs> so I, I, I don't think it's... I'm going to expose the one that's here, at least. Uh, I'm going to expose her to what I've found. But I know wholeheartedly that she's going to see something that's even better than what I've seen. You know, that's, that's evolution. We're getting better in our syntax. We're getting better in our technology. We're getting better in our ability to just conceive of things over time. Technologies and all these things are just ramping up the way we experience and we process data. She's going to be closer to this God thing than I will have the ability to get to. So I don't want to be an anchor for her. I want I want to say, here's what I found. Take the torch. Tell me what you see. And if I can get this hardware to catch up to your hardware and software, mm. then maybe I'll see something you see, you know. I want to be cooperative, I guess. Right, right, right. Because I, I do think that just like language, God evolves, you know. I think that's one thing that a lot of these religions aren't okay with, and it's one of the things that potentially makes me not like the word God is uh, God is stationary. It's forever. And I do believe there's an aspect that is infinite and forever. But I also think that while it's being dissected by our minds here and by our tools here, whether you call it science or religion, it's all dissecting this God canvas. Um, it is evolving with us through this time function, but it also is the the inf- infinity of possibility to be dissected in right. any direction that we want to go with it. You know, if it, so, I, I I don't know. Like I think that she's going to be better at um, the God 
verbiage than I will, just like right. I think I'm better than my parents were, you know? Yeah. That's, I don't know. It's, it's really interesting for me that a lot of people out there have, or at least a lot of people that don't believe in God. I'm not saying you don't, obviously you didn't say that, but why they have a hard time, why they have a hard time with the idea that a God can exist. You know, you and I'm, I'm speaking. Yeah. Okay. Um, and just people in general that kind of battle with it, like, yeah. because my thing is there are a lot of things that we know exist, but we can't see. Yeah. You know, and a lot, of, and for a lot of people, they're like, not even atheists, just some people in general, are like, well, how do you know? Have you seen them? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Dude, like, yeah. That's not the that's not the point here. You know, it's like you, you feel the wind. You you don't you we've no, none of us has ever seen wind in our entire lives. You, you know. see the byproduct. You see well, the leaves blow. Right. But yeah, yeah. For, in in the same in the same in the same sentence, the byproduct is evidence. Of, well, yeah, I was gonna say well, I was gonna say the byproduct of God existing, at least in my opinion, is all around us. Yeah. So we can choose to see it or not see it. It's this you know what we're what doing I mean? right now is a byproduct. You of know it. what I mean? So yeah. um a, a woman going through nine months of pregnancy and giving birth. As a byproduct. I mean, when you actually just sit down and just think about that, yeah. you know, the idea of conception and going through that process and creating another human being, I can go on and on and on and on yeah. about different examples. Um, so we all have the choice to either believe or not. And we. And, and I, I also think like, you know, you mentioned somebody saying like, have you seen him? <laughs> and I, I, I love that question because I, yeah, yeah. But the problem is, like I said, you, you don't see, here's the problem, it's always a him, right? But like, it's, it's it. Have you seen it? Yeah, pay close enough attention to what you're doing and who you are and where yeah. you are and what's going on around you. And you will see a little sliver of the universe of, of this God thing, you know? Right. It's right here, right now. The problem is, again, it's like this whole fr fate and free will. It's your perspective. Right. But here's the other, like, atheism serves a huge purpose. Without atheism, you can't, okay, and we have academia right now. God, it, it, it's like a big breathing mechanism. When God was the truth back in the forever up until, you know, this last century or two, when God was the way that everything was, you get bored of it. Just like all these chemicals we were talking about, like it becomes stagnant and fake. Everybody fakes it and they don't have the real experience anymore. It's not authentic. And then atheism came out. Well, sci science came out. And then that kind of designed this whole, the only way to truly dive deeply into science and, and really get really good mechanisms to dissect this thing that we call life and, and the universe is to completely detached from all this shit that got us in the problem of religion to begin with. And then you, the recoil is you come out with all these technologies that are good for dissecting God. Right. But it takes those people who are the extremists, you know. I, I think deep academic atheists are the extremists of uh, academia. Just like, uh, you know, uh, suicide bombing Islams are the ones, or uh, Muslims, excuse me, are the ones who are the extremists of religious context. You know, like, it's somewhere in the middle. You know, like, there is, there's, 
it's weirdly, I think, somewhere in the middle. There is and isn't a, a God, you know? Like, it doesn't have to make much sense because it's a deeply confusing um, experiment that an intelligent thing decided on. But I, I think that um, the decision for me to go away from um, atheism was pitted around a few things, but one of the pieces of information that came in that really played into it was whenever I talked to people who believed in a God and people who didn't, the people who didn't got very defensive. And people who do... It's usually the other way around. People who, well, okay. Well, I guess it's both. I need to describe, yeah, a little bit more in depth. People get extremely defensive in the religious context, but like there's few people that I've ever talked to who when I have the conversation about God or not, they're comfortable. 100% of the conversation, they're very comfortable. And every single time, it's not every single time, there's been a few atheists, but not as many who are like, it's a thing. There's a thing out there. I don't have any obligation to make you think it. Right. I don't have to make you come to my side. You'll figure out whatever you figure out. And I'm not even saying I'm 100% right. And that's kind of where I sit now. It's like, it's, it's a comfort factor. If there's a deep, intellectual scientist who has all the data right in front of me but he just is fighting so hard to prove it to me it's like you're fighting really hard to prove it if if the data's there what the fuck are you fighting for right you know and then with uh, people on the other side like if if you truly believe in this god why are you willing to kill people that don't validate your experience just just present your argument and let it happen you know so for me, the comfort came from the big experience I talked to you about out in the desert and then realizing that these people who are comfortable are the people who um, saw the thing, you know, and th- that thing has an infinite perception. Right, so, right. I don't know. I, I, it's right in the middle for me, just like all things, which yeah. is stupid. And it's very Taoist, like the middle way is the right way. Well, is yeah. there a God? <laughs> Maybe. I saw something, yeah. but I don't know. It could yeah. be just something. I think for me, the, uh, in my opinion, the biggest detriment to religion has been the church. And yeah. I say that in the sense that, you know, people that are either on the fence of believing in God or are looking for reason to point and say, yeah, that's look at what your God is doing, yeah. usually point to the church and, you know, uh, things that, priests have done even with the catholic church things that priests have said i remember i was in i was in church uh a while back and it was during a time where uh president obama was legalizing gay marriage Mm. and during that service the the pastor just went off on gay people Mm. and it was i was very uncomfortable because the whole time I was thinking, well, is, is, is that what God would do? Is that what Jesus would do? If Jesus was here right now, would he be in, in church on the pulpit JD, going crazy on gay people? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, so it's things like that mm-hmm. that uh, you can take a step back and say, is that what you're, you're Christian, right? Is that what your religion is about? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think we can sit down and kind of point the finger for every religion, you know, where some type of discrimination occurs that obviously should not be occurring. Yeah. You know, um, I think oh, that's why people uh, um, 
migrate towards Hinduism so much. Yeah. Because of the, the peaceful aspect. Yeah, especially right now, we have such a chaotic just world. But, you know, to your point, Jesus kind of did do that. I mean, Jesus went into the temple and flipped all the money changers' tables over. And he was like, what are you doing, you know, fucking with money in right. the house of God? Well, and the example I, when I was, what I, the point I was trying to make was the Bible, when you read it, at least for the most part, is all about peace and acceptance and yeah. all that good stuff. Yeah. And if you're calling yourself a Christian, there's no way if you actually believe what you're saying that you're a Christian, you should be spewing looking hate. down, spewing hate mm. on someone that's making a choice that doesn't affect you in any way, shape, or form. Doesn't hurt you. Um, so there's there are many examples of that. But even when you go to Italy, Italy, excuse me, you see uh, some of the churches out there, man. And then you have homeless people camping outside. Yeah. Like the Vatican is just. Oh, the Vatican. The beauty is just stupendous. Yeah, but it is a fucking mafia, dude. That's all that is. Just. You know, we can Sorry, go on and on about please that. Please don't. Uh, <laughs> don't have me assassin, assassinated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you know the point I was trying to make. What um, did you grow up with a religion? Did you grow up atheist? What was your jam? Yeah, religion was big for me. I've already talked about it in the past, but we used to go to church. Uh, You're smiling. My, my yeah, because I'm thinking back. Laughing right now. My parents would take us to church on like I can't, I can't remember if it was a Wednesday night or Thursday night but all I remember was we used to go to night vigils and we go to church the whole idea of a night vigil is to actually go to church pray all night sleep in church then spend the night in church wake up at least I would be sleeping because I was a kid yeah wake up in the morning go back home and then come back to church again the next day like for the Sunday service so so church was drilled religion was drilled in my head what what religion christianity Christian. church yeah yeah okay um and it got to the point where i, I started becoming resentful because mm-hmm. nobody wants to do something that they're forced to do yeah you know and as a kid you don't really have a lot of options yeah you're not you're gonna be like oh, i'm not going like uh, there is no you're not going you are going yeah. you're a christian child you're yeah <laughs> so what was the recoil of that like did you dive into atheism no i never got to that point i the recall of that was i got to a point in my life when i started college where i had my freedom Mm -hmm. and i had the choice to choose um between what i grew up with and just find my own way Mm -hmm. and i found my own way and which led me back to god and for me it was just faith and i think that I actually credit how I grew up because at least it gave me the choice. I feel like if I grew up in a high, in a household where religion wasn't a thing, I just think I'll be an adult and be just that'll be just be that'll be my reality. Like religion wouldn't really matter to me. Yeah. But I had experienced the extreme of it, so when I grew up, it's like it's kind of like when you you're in a relationship. Let's say you're in a bad relationship or even a good one. You learn. From your experiences. And I think for me, that's how I've always been that way. I always learn from all my experiences. So I learned from what I uh, went through as a child. And 
and I felt like as an adult, my faith became stronger. I felt like I, I learned the authenticity of what it actually means to be spiritual. Yeah. Uh, so do you identify with any specific religion now? I'd say I'm a Christian, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'd say I'm a Christian. Yeah, I got you. Um, but I think we've talked about... You could have said that before I went on G- the Christian smashing <laughs> rant. <laughs> yeah, I'd say I'm a Christian, but the funny thing is... And this goes back to free will. You know, if, if I grew up in, I don't know, Saudi Arabia, for example, would I still be Christian? If I grew up in a Muslim household, yeah, would I still be Christian? Right. You know what I mean? So. And would you be tapping into the same thing? You know, like right. That thought is yeah. kind of scary. So it's like, am I me because I'm truly me in every way, shape, or form, or am I me because of my surroundings? Fate or free will. So it's kind of like, hmm, dun, dun, dun. Right. I think it's a combination, like you said earlier, I think it's a combination of both. I'm a combination of my experiences, and I'm a combination of who I am because this is who I was supposed to be. Yeah. Well, and I, um, so I do some creative writing every once in a while, and I have this one little thing that I've come back to a few times, and I, uh, I mean, I'll butcher it because I'm not reading it, and I don't memorize anything, but <clears throat> it's something to the effect of like, uh, there was an initial thought that created an infinite chain of reactions uh, throughout the universal time frame. So, like, you are always subject to your prior decisions and to the environment around you that are, that are nothing more than the byproduct of an infinite number of decisions that were made before you even came here. Right. You know, like, there was a first thing, the Big Bang or the expansion or whatever, was the first thought that allowed for all of these interactions to start coalescing together, you know? And it's just funny because you do have this weird, this deep feeling of free will, but like there were so many things that got everything to this point to where you just happen to be born in this environment that is completely byproduct based right, right. of all of these complete wave interactions and, and all of this material being built around you and then, you know, spermazoa impregnating an egg <laughs> in a random place in time. And, yeah. you know, like, it's just so funny. There's no, I don't think there's a real answer to that. I think that's a, you will only understand that mechanism when you can transcend the medium of space time. And I think that maybe happens at death. The or maybe space time shifts. continuum. Yeah. yeah. When you go meet up with Carl Sagan, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you'll know. Oh, man. This is a really good podcast, man. It's, it's been a heavy one. I was expecting I more jokes. Yeah, we got yeah, real yeah. This deep really into good. all the stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we already hit uh, the hour mark. We're on a high note right now, so I think we should end while we are still in the end zone after this touchdown. Please email Michael all of your good thoughts so that we can bring him out of his bad mood today. Oh, I'm we in a great mood, man. Please mood. don't don't put that on me. I'm always... I'm, in an internal, oh no, internal, eternal. <laughs> an internal, eternal. <laughs> eternal, great mood, yeah. grateful mood. Please yeah. don't put that bad uh, Please send all your tampons man. to Michael's <laughs> address. It is 9191. Oh, my gosh. Um, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, I mean... No, because if I connect all this to my business stuff, people are going to know I'm talking about silly things. Uh, business and tanks, so. Sounds good. 
Uh, yeah, look me up on Brett on the Scene on Instagram. All right. <laughs> Just don't leave any comments about the podcast. <laughs> Instagram, Brett on the Scene. Mm-hmm. Facebook My Instagram is michael.skywalker for those of you that cannot spell or spell my name incorrectly sometimes. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L, not E-A-L. Uh, it's not M-I-K-A-L-E. No. Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L dot Skywalker on the Instagrams. Yeah. And uh, until next time, peace, love, and prosperity. <laughs> <laughs>